Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast, brought to you by Flowpath. I'm your host, Griffin Hamilton. This is the show where I interview industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights into modern day facilities management. From hospitality to commercial real estate and everything in between, we'll learn what it really takes to succeed as a facilities manager. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Today, I've got another Atlantonian, Atlantonite, um, whatever it is. Chris Kaiser. Chris, thanks for joining the show today. I appreciate the invite, man. Pleasure to be here. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to come on and talk shop. But before we get into uh, what the, the meat and potatoes of the conversation is going to be, why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about uh, who you are and what it is you do. So I am the uh, Chris Kaiser. I'm the director of properties for the Arthur Blake family office. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been in the management side, estate manager, uh, maintenance. Yeah, I mean, you name it as far as maintenance and operations go uh, for the last, I'd say about 12 years now. And uh, yeah, so started out as the, you know, standard level, you know, um, maintenance guy. And, you know, kind of carved my way up through the ranks of, you know, um, housemen and uh, on the estate management side, which is a little bit of an incognito uh, niche companies, you know, like that just operate high net worth individuals and we manage their uh, multi-million dollar homes and everything that's involved. So, you know, we go from maintenance and then roll into houseman and then house manager, estate manager and so on and so forth. And then of course, after that, I've rolled into uh, director of properties, which brung on, um, you know, more of the corporate level um, side of things. So I still dabble on both edges of it, but yeah. And then other than that, about 20 years, 26 years of uh, um, just residential construction experience with a little bit of commercial and industrial mixed into all of that. So it's pretty much come over. How did you get into the industry in the first place and work your way up? You know, pure, you know, networking and luck, man. So, you know, again, you know, at 16, I was in like Hilton Head, South Carolina before Hilton Head is what it is, carrying boards across muddy fields. And then, uh, you know, back then, you know, construction companies were spotty, you know, like you'd work for one and, you know, maybe they shut down and you work for another and eventually, you know, like I went from, you know, like foundation and piers to, you know, like uh, framing and interior trim and roofing. And, um, you know, some of those were more delightful than others. You know, I'll never do footers and piers or roofs again. But, you know, like some of the framing and the trim and, you know, plumbing, things like that were pretty exciting. And, you know, it was very helpful when I'm managing properties. It kind of gives me like a really like deep. Um, understanding of, you know, how things operate and, you know, if I can tell, um, you know, like if somebody's throwing me crazy prices and, and things like that. So, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's kind of odd looking back at the last 26 years, it's all kind of like built up between like working for the plumbing companies and the handyman services and this and that, and, you know, it just kind of all compiled to there randomly working in a, uh, um, uh, aircraft or aviation charter company. Um, I was actually detailing and uh, refurbishing um, private aircraft 
And, you know, eventually we got out of that and the pilot called me randomly like three or four years later and said, Hey man, you want to manage, you know, home properties for a living. Wow. And, you know, like, of course it was like a massive increase in pay as well. So, you know, sign me up, dude. And right. <laughs> so, you know, that's, you know, probably 12 years ago now. So it's been a pretty awesome ride, man. You know, like it's just always different every day. Yep. I think that's facilities in a nutshell where you were able to get these different jobs that cover so many different components of facilities. And that that broad background has allowed you to now work your way up and now manage an entire portfolio. Uh, And I I think that is just it's interesting and a common story that you hear is that you could take something away from every job that you have and eventually apply it. It all comes together in facilities management, uh, which is why I find the industry so fascinating. But going into this conversation, I think it was it was interesting to me because on the estate side, I'm sure that conceptually there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of differences. So tell me what you've seen in your experience, but the differences between the two uh, from estate management and then just maybe a more traditional corporate facilities management. Sure. So, I mean, I would say the two are most of the time they're relatively similar because uh, generally when you're dealing with these massive homes, you know, you got commercial products that are in them. So you have, you know, like the pumps down to the control systems, um, you know, wood mirrors, things like restaurants, like you would see in teams calls and things. And most of the time, most of these high network CEOs, um, you know, they want all of the stuff that's in their offices actually applied into their home. So there's a lot of similarities there. I think, you know, like the dynamic changes a little bit when you start to get involved with, you know, like the families, like the wives and the nannies and the kids, you know, pets, you know, like that's the type of stuff that, you you know, you really start to get the curveballs. And generally, whenever you're having problems with, um, you know, like there's a kid's birthday party coming up, but it's like 75 people showing up. So all of this equipment's like usually running a hundred percent, but then all of a sudden like the pole's shutting down, you know, like, so, you know, that's kind of like the, the change, I, I guess it's somewhat similar uh, to, you know, because I hold events for my commercial properties as well. And we always generally tend to have like a hiccup somewhere that we have to fast respond. So a lot of similarities, but you know, like the family aspects of it change. Um, residential, you also get like their toys, right? You know, so I've never really actually signed on to be an estate manager where they didn't have like 20 cars in the garage. And now I have to manage and watercraft that has to be like serviced every season in and out, you know? So, uh, there's some curveballs in there for sure, but you know, like, yeah. You know, I, I think it's just like trying to manage chaos, you need, regardless of whatever side you're working on, commercial or residential. Yeah, I mean, it's asset management, right? It's having a PM uh, strategy in place, having inspections, uh, a standard way to follow that. It's just it's a different location and the stakeholders being a little bit different where it's the home, you know, and, and I think that's what's interesting where on the corporate side, you want it to be business as usual, but that applies to the household. And that's a 24 seven, 365 business as usual there. And I imagine that provides some unique challenges and sets of circumstances there as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, like, uh, every, every place is different, you know? And then, like you said, I mean, in this, in the business that we're in, you know, like 
no day is ever the same. It's the same thing for state management or residential uh, to commercial. You know, today I've got somebody complaining about somebody parking in their spot or, you know, like we don't have sodas on this level of the, the office building, you know, and then, you know, on the um, residential side, it's, you know, my gate's not working or, you know, like the landscapers, you know, or fountains not flowing to look like a bunt cake the way that it's supposed to, you know, like, and, you know, but it's, it's super exciting, you know, and like, you know, again, I, I think like over the years, it just kind of made sense that both of them, and I think, you know, homeowners generally always tried to uh, cross me over because of my skills that they would push me into some of their business stuff and back and forth. So I think naturally it just kind of, it just kind of fell into place really well. What are some best practices or I guess maybe strategies you've implemented on the estate side that aren't necessarily widely used on the corporate side that you think would translate well? So, you know, I mean, I think it's more of like the just really on the state side, you're more like really dialed in and, you know, you're like laser focused on, you know, making sure that the principal or homeowner um, is, you know, like usually they're coming back from like a week stint at their, you know, like corporate office or whatever. They come home, dude, they're ready to like shut down the engine, you know, like, and you need to make sure that, you know, like you're pretty intimate with like, Hey, I'm going to go into this guy's bedroom. I'm going to go into this. I'm pretty much as a state manager, you're like digging into their life, like really well, I'm going to go into this guy's office and like turn the TV on. Whereas it's like on the commercial side, you know, you're generally, you know, what I've seen is you're not really like super interlinked with people. You're just trying to, you know, like their, their work orders, right. You're banging them out and, Hey, I got a problem here. Okay, we'll get to it. And then, you know, like you start moving teams around where, you know, estate management is really like super, you know, uh, first name basis with them. And, you know, it's really like customer service based more, um, yeah. you know, even when you've got a guy that's like yelling at you because something's not working. I mean, you gotta be like super happy and just say, okay, man, you know, it's yeah. great. <laughs> so... Would you would you argue that on the commercial side, it's more about the building and the assets as opposed to the actual people where to clarify, I don't think that it, the people are ignored on the corporate side. I think it's just a, a byproduct of what you're doing day in and day out is that customer support. But it is about the building and maintaining those assets where on the estate side, it sounds as though it is more on that personal level of I want the TV on the ACs at this level, you know, the coverage are folded this way. That's what I'm hearing. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and I mean that's exactly right. This, you know, like uh, I mean, really, when it comes down to it, is uh, you know, on my my corporate side, it's you know, putting in these processes that make everything like you know uh, cons consistent. You know, like every day I'm showing up, I'm looking at these systems combing through all of the databases to make sure that all of the equipment is operational, um, you know, and then I start like walking the buildings and, you know, just making sure like I'm, I'm loading up staff for um, stuff. And that's an everyday process where, you know, like you said, like, I mean, it and estate management, you know, like I just want to clarify, it's never the same for each individual owner, you know, like, I mean, it, it's almost the same as like, corporate as far as like how you're managing things 
Um, but like you said, it, it's just more intimate, you know, like you may be looking at, um, you know, a scenario where a guy's like telling you where you're used to a maintenance or facility side. And he says, Hey man, I want a tailor to come in and I want to have my pants to say number one. And I want three shirts that match that and three jackets. And I want you to, you know, sew a number one into all three of those shirts and all three of those jackets. So I don't have to guess what I can match with what I can just look at the number and go, okay, the tailor said this looks amazing. I'm just going to throw on a number one with a number one and get out the door, you know, like, and those kind of like those odd little tweaks that you get with, you know, and that personalization, you know, where, mm. um, yeah, I am, you know, it, it's just, it's kind of a weird, uh, world that you crawl into there in estate management where those little tiny minute details where you might not really pay attention in the corporate world. And, and I think it's that flexibility as well. It's like you have to be prepared for those out of left field uh, requests that you, you might have. You may have never had it before, but it's okay. Here's a new problem. I need to find a solution and a great solution very quickly. And again, I, I think that's the traditional mindset of facilities management, but it's just in a different scenario. Yeah, you know, and uh, I mean, I, I think you're probably aware that, you know, like I have a, a military uh, background, um, which doesn't really equate to anything that I'm doing today. You know, like I was a, a four observer or fister and, you know, so I called in airstrikes and walked around with the, uh, um, you know, on the front lines and, you know, got shot at and, you know, call in, you know, whatever on the radio. So when I got out and then naturally, you know, like I'm used to kind of like when you did that deployment in Afghanistan and you're like, okay, well, you know, like you just got to figure it out as you go. Um, and, you know, just make the best out of a situation and think quick. Well, you know, like when I got out and I'm looking for a job and, you know, the best thing you could hope for is this is welcome to McDonald's because, you know, blowing stuff up doesn't really convert to anything, you know, <laughs> possible in, in a civilian world. So, but in this type of scenario and facilities and, you know, like with estate management, that's what it is, is, you know, like you're, you're thinking out of the box, you know, you're putting yourself out of your comfort zone and, you know, you're just making it happen. You're like, you know, thinking logically, quick reaction, quick response. And, you know, like it, it's nice. I think that's really like my, my perk of the job and why I enjoy it so much and why I'm so good at it is, is because it is that quick thinking and, you know, like just quick reaction and, um, then you stack on the experience behind that with the construction and, you know, dealing with all of the equipment, systems, pumps, you know, like automation. Um, and it's just a great world to be in, man. Hey, listeners, real quick. This is Alex Cummings, CEO of Flowpath, an industry-leading CMMS designed and built by operators to fit the scale of any organization. I'm excited to share with you that Flowpath now offers a tier for teams that just need core CMMS functionality on simple monthly contracts and at a price that makes sense. We call it Flowpath Core, and it runs on the same powerful Flowpath software that thousands of professionals rely on every day. So come check us out at getflowpath.com and see just how easy it is to get started with a software designed to fit your needs. Oh, and mention this ad and you'll get 10% off your core subscription. Okay, enough for me, back to the show. We, we've had uh, a lot of people on, on the, the podcast that came from military background and it is, it's incredible how well that, that skill set that 
doesn't seem like it, it's a direct, um, you know, directly apply to a career outside of the military, but it does seamlessly. Uh, and we've had several people that, that have talked to that of just being able to quickly think and come up with solutions and learn on the fly and make the best out of scenario that might not be optimal. And uh, military backgrounds have, um, have certainly been common uh, people I've networked with in the industry as well as had on the, on the podcast. So certainly makes sense there on top of, like you mentioned, your background there. Uh, a question I had just kind of switching gears here on the budgeting side, this is, I'm curious here on the differences between the corporate budgeting and then on the estate level, because at the estate level, it is someone's personal finances, I imagine. Uh, on the corporate level, it is, you know, very much, uh, you know, a corporate budget, right? Like you have to report to someone and you're held accountable for that. Are there any differences between the two? Absolutely. A hundred percent, man. It's just that no, budgeting wise. I mean, you're in the corporate world, right? Where it's like, you know, like you're putting in your assumptions and, you know, like, um, you know, you're building out for next year and then the next five, right? So, and then you're pretty much trying to stay like super focused in and you don't want to forget anything, you know, like you're like laser focused and, you know, it gets, it gets like scrubbed, you know, by like three different groups of, you know, finance people and the bosses, before it ever hits the man, right? And then you're like, okay, cool, man. You know, but when it comes to houses, you know, I mean, it's just different, man, because, you know, like one day the guy just decides like, hey, I want to rip my pull out and I want to put a new one in or, you know, like, hey, you know, me and my buddy saw Meekum Auction coming into town and I'm going to go and buy three vets, you know, like, and, you know, I mean, it's just off the wall, man, you know, like, and then you can mention like, hey, man, you know, your roof's leaking, I really recommend like, you you know, like replace your roof and it's going to be, you know, a quarter of a million dollars or half a million dollars. And I don't, you know, like, I don't want to do that. And, you know, you're thinking like, well, this is logical. It makes sense. But then, you know, they, they go with the $30,000 repair instead and, you know, kick the bucket down the road a little bit further and, you know, or kick the can down the road. And so then, you know, you get like a couple weeks later and the guy shows up on a brand new Maserati or Ferrari and you're like, but, you know, I just told you, you know, like half a million dollar roof need to be replaced, dude. And now you're buying cars from Barrett Jackson and then they're not all that great either, you know, like, <laughs> so, you know, like they look pretty on the floor, but then you got to put an extra 10 in them once you actually bring them in your garage. So it's just like that dynamic that changes really in budgeting where, now, I've always tried to stay like really tight. And then, you know, same as is like when you're a corporate, you still want to stay within the realm of, you know, like what you anticipate and then give that assumption for that year. But, you know, like the homeowner's always going to curveball you with something random. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just insanity sometimes, man. I, I can imagine. I mean, it's it's a, a lifestyle that I literally cannot imagine. Uh, just on a whim, going out and buying a Ferrari. I think if I were to do that, I'd have to plan for about twenty years to uh, to figure that out. But uh, it's not about me here. Uh, but uh, another question here I have was more so on the investment on the properties themselves, whether it be technology or. I mean, just you can think of any other equipment here going into that te technology realm. Uh, but is that viewed the same way on the estate side? 
all dependent on the homeowners so you know like i've had some homeowners where and that that's been a, a large play over the last like 12 years this is where we went from standard rocker switches or you know in the beginning of like automations where we were doing more like you know elon systems and things where it was just very simple more smart controller now you're getting like full-blown like heavy automation places where um, you know, some guys feel like, you know, staying up with the times is just kind of, you know, not worth it where other guys, I mean, you know, I've, I, last year, I think I probably pushed like, uh, with a bunch of automation guys, probably the most automated home I've ever been in where, I mean, it was literally time that every morning at a certain time, the lights would turn on for the nanny, the door pathways would open up into the house. Um, lights would be on, music would be playing, the shades would be dropped on this side of the house because the sun is rising. And then once the sun gets over the house, then those shades would open and the other half of the house would shut down to keep the floors from getting sun bleached. You know, like music, lighting, you know, the guy steps off his bed and there's a sensor under the bed that turns the light on under the bed and all of the kick plates under the bathroom and a little nightlight behind the toilet that like all lights up whenever he steps off of the bed. So, I mean, you know, some guys are really in it and then some guys are just like, I don't, I don't want to pay that premium to, you know, like not have that. So yeah. I think some of the younger guys, you know, like you get into, you know, your thirties to fifties, you know, like maybe even sixties guys are really into it. You start to get above that and they're just like, why man? You know, like, right. you know, and, and it's funny enough because I, I mean, I think about that sometimes and then I'm like, well, you know, if you look at how much this equipment and stuff costs and you know, how much it costs to maintain. And then when it works, it's amazing. But when it doesn't, you got to wait a week for the guy to show up or, you know, like, the equipment with all the COVID and delays and everything, shipping problems, you know, now you can't get the equipment for half a year or something, you know? So they're like, you know, it's just kind of like goes hand in hand, but you know, generally it's just all dependent on the homeowners and you know, what they think is cool, I guess. I mean, I certainly think that's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just stick with the basic stuff, you know, honestly, like, uh, I mean, at my house, I just have like this, the basic like Alexa stuff like laying around and then, uh, you know, like they had these like, uh, you know, like whiz bulbs that they just came out with or whatever. And then I just screwed in cause my kids never turn off lights anywhere in the house, you know? And like, so they have a whole level downstairs and the lights are always on. Like, it's just like a full party going on down there. And so these whiz bulbs, they don't take any hubs or whatever, you know, like you link them up and routine them with Alexa and then I just say all lights off as I'm walking out the door and they're like 12 to 15 bucks a bulb. And I'm like, dude, I'm super happy with that. You know, where, you know, you spend like $2 million on a system and, you know, and like if a $15 bulb doesn't work, I throw it away and I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm going back to well, Home yeah. Depot or whatever, but you know, a million dollar system. I mean, you're really like popping some fuses because it's not working, dude. So Right. Right. Oh man. That, those are things that I just hadn't even thought of the, the, in your house how much automation you could have and uh, i'm sure that's got to be fascinating just like walking through that where it's, it's second nature but as an outsider going in it's just like jaw wide open and just what is this i hadn't even thought about this, this shade halfway and this shade closed and 
let's follow yes. the sun. I mean, those are things you don't think about actively, but um, you know, maybe one day, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I would scratch that. I think even if I had, you know, like if I was a millionaire, you know, like cool, you know, I wouldn't buy the Ferraris because they cost too much to, you know, it's like $8,000 to change the belt and the, and the oil in it, you know, so no, thank you. Good. Uh, you know, like the automation systems, you know, like, yeah, you bought it for 2 million, but it cost you 2 million every couple of years for all the repairs and updates. And, you know, so, I mean, actually like combing through all of that, I mean, super cool stuff. Don't get me wrong. And if you have the money for it, it's great, dude, go for it. But, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm just a simple man, you know, like just give me like, <laughs> let me be able to unlock and lock the doors, man. And, you know, some cameras and some cool lighting and maybe some voice control on the TV. Yeah, that's there it. You yeah. Keep it go. simple. <laughs> well, uh, well, Chris, I, I appreciate the time here. I got one last question for you and I ask everybody. And uh, that is who or what has had the biggest impact on you and your career? Oh, that's a good one, man. I, I think it's probably, and I, I can't really highlight the names, unfortunately. Uh, you know, it's most of these high net worth individuals I've worked for, um, you know, like confidential, you know, employment. So, but, you know, like each individual one that I've pulled, um, you know, some are better than others, you know, some of them where I get like the super dialed, focused micromanagement OCD and, you know, like while it drives you crazy, you know, like you pick up a lot of, you know, like really smart stuff from that. And then you have other guys that are like, you know, just amazing minds, you know, and even when chaos is happening, I mean, they got like poker faces, right? Like they're super calm, really reserved and, you know, just like very logical thinkers and, um, so, I mean, I would probably say that's like, you know, my guys that I really look, look towards, you know, and then of course, like your natural ones, you know, like I always pick up some of the mentors as far as, um, you know, guys that you have on podcasts or, you know, like your, your big time CEOs and stuff, you know, like, uh, I mean, I'm pretty much just tuned in with same as everybody else, as far as, you know, like your common, uh, TV, you know, um, you know, TikTok or, you know, like Facebook you know, um, characters or whatever. So, yeah, now I, I can imagine being around, uh, individuals that at that level of, uh, net worth, they got that money for, for a reason. I'm sure there was uh, quite a bit of information that you can't pick up in a classroom or through a textbook that you got on the job there. So, uh, that's not surprising here, but, uh, once again, Chris, certainly appreciate you taking time to, uh, to come on the show. Uh, it's been a pleasure connecting and, uh, to everyone listening, be good. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. Take it easy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and follow us on LinkedIn for more facilities management content.